Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Psalm 32, 5. I acknowledged my sin unto thee. Mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgression unto the Lord and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. The first instruction is encompassed in the word that David said, acknowledged, acknowledged. Acknowledged is also a very simple word, yada, it's the word no. So in other words, David is saying, I acknowledged my sin, I know my sin, and my iniquity have I not hid, and I'll, I'll confess my transgression. See, the first action to take with our personal sin is to not hide it, not pretend it doesn't exist, and don't ignore it. See, King Solomon used another word. You know, David said hide, and King Solomon said in Proverbs 28, 13, he that covereth his sin shall not prosper, but whosoever confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. See, we shouldn't cover our sin with an excuse like, you know, I've been under a lot of pressure this last week, and that's why I did it. You know, if you knew what I had to go through, you know, that's, we shouldn't make any kind of excuse for sin. That's covering. That's covering the sin with, I was under a lot of pressure. Another way to cover sin and hide it is to whitewash it. To whitewash the sin. It says, well, you know, I'm just human. I'm human and others are doing it too. So it's not so bad. That's covering. That's hiding. See, to hide or cover personal sin is to become passive about sin, to avoid the confrontation. But when we see sin, it's a call to action. And we can see this in the prodigal son. When the prodigal son, he he saw clearly his sin in Luke 15, 18, when he said, I will arise and go to my father. And will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. See, when the prodigal son said, I will arise and go, that was action. The prodigal son wasn't passive over his sin, but he took this action. He said, I'll arise and go. And when we see personal sin, it's a call for us, don't be passive. Don't reject it, but rise to action. Rise to action. So the first step is to keep sin front and center. Front and center in our view, and and to not let ourselves get distracted away from sin, but we let it stay right in front of us. We don't ignore it. Because keeping sin in front of our eyes that we need to confess is doing what David said in Psalm 51.3, for I acknowledge, again, I know, I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Now, why was David's sin ever before him? Because he kept it ever before him and he wouldn't let it go out of his sight until he dealt with it. 
And our sins, they want to run away. Our sins, they want to run away. They want to get out of our sight. You know, there's some animals, you keep your eye on them, they freeze. The minute you turn your head, they run away. That's our sin. Our sin does that. So the second action or step is to see our sin for its most terrible aspect. The worst part about our sin is not what it does to us. The worst part about our sin is not what it does to others. The worst part about our, of our sin is what it does and what David described in Psalm 51.4, speaking to God, against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. So to really know the most and the awful part about sin is to know how our sin is against God and how it's a personal offense against God. The third action, David said in Psalm 38.18, I will be sorry for my sin. I will be sorry. When David said those words, I will be sorry for my sin, he was saying, I will be sorry for my It's a matter of my will. I have decided. I haven't waited until I feel sorry. I have decided to be sorry for my sin. See, David was sorry for his sin because he willed to be sorry for his sin. It's very easy to say, you know, I know I've sinned. I know it's wrong, but I don't feel so bad about it. In fact, I kind of like it. It's very easy to do that. But he says, no, I will. See, the third step is to be sorry for our sin. That means to hate what we did and not want to do it again. And if we find ourselves caught in a trap of doing it again, of continuing to sin, that's time to ask God for deliverance. Time to ask God for deliverance from a sinful habit. And if we find ourselves caught in the trap of enjoying sin, I enjoy it, where we don't want to be sorry for it, that's time to ask God for deliverance for not being willing to be sorry for our sin. Second deliverance. Now, fourth action for sin is seen in what David said, again, in Psalm 38, 18. He says, I will declare my iniquity. I will declare my iniquity. So this is dealing with sin. This is the declaration or the confession of sins to God. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23 for I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take eat, this is my body, which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also, he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as often as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, so that so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. So in the scriptures that we've just read here, the word unworthily appears twice. And as a matter of fact, these, are the, these, are the, uh, these two times, they're the only places in the Bible where this particular Greek word for unworthily appears. It means not fit. And last time, we considered the first way a person can take communion unworthily. And we saw that a person is unworthy if he does not first examine himself to identify sin, 
to confess sin and to forsake sin before taking the communion. Now the question is for today, what's the second way? What's the second way that a person can take communion unworthily? And there's a particular danger that's ascribed to this second way of taking communion unworthily, and it's in verse 29 where it says, for he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. So the warning is, eating and drinketh damnation to himself. So the second way to take communion, by not discerning the Lord's body, that's what is described here, not discerning the Lord's body. What does that mean? What does it mean to not discern the Lord's body? We can understand this when we look at the, 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 the meaning of the Greek word for discerning. And there's another place where this is used, this word is used, and it gives us an insight into the meaning, and that's in Matthew chapter 16, 2 through 3. So in this passage, Matthew 16, 2 through 3, the Lord Jesus Christ says, he answered and said unto them, when it is evening, you say, it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be foul weather, for the sky is red and lowering or threatening. Oh, ye hypocrites, ye can discern the face of the sky, but can ye not discern the signs of the time? So that, that's true today, too. When we got up and we, we saw the clouds in the sky, we know the sky says, we know it's going to rain. And, and that's, that's what he meant here when he said, discern the face of the sky in Matthew 16, 3. So that's the same Greek word that's used in our passage here in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty nine, where it says, for he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. So we, can, we, we interpret the sky, we, we look at the sky, like today, we see the clouds, and then we see beyond the clouds to the rain that's coming, which thank God it did come. And when we see the clouds, we know the rain's coming. Why? Because we see beyond the clouds to the rain. That's the meaning of the word here. That's the meaning of the Greek word when it's used here, not discerning the Lord's body. In exactly the same way, when it says to discern the Lord's body, it means we see the bread. We will see the bread. We see the bread today, and then we see beyond the bread to the Lord's body. In the same way, to discern the Lord's blood, it means that we see the red juice. We see the red juice today, and then when we see the red juice, we see beyond the red juice to the Lord's blood. So to discern the Lord's body, to discern the Lord's blood, is to see beyond this bread, beyond this red juice, to see the Lord's body and the Lord's blood. Just like when we look at the sky and we see beyond the clouds to the rain that's coming, the Lord wants us to see beyond the bread to the Lord's body. The Lord wants us to see beyond the red juice to the Lord's blood. The Lord wants us to discern from the bread the Lord's body. The Lord wants us to discern from the red juice, the Lord's blood. See, this bread, this red juice are like shadows. And if we see a shadow of a tree, we think of the tree that's casting the shadow. When we see the shadow of something, we think of the, of, of, of the, of the substance that casts the shadow. That's how the Lord wants us to see the bread and the red juice this morning. When the Lord said, in Matthew 26, 26, as they were eating, 
Jesus took bread and blessed it and break it and gave it to his to the disciples and said, take eat, this is my body. See, there he was, he took bread, he broke it, he gave it to the disciples, and he said, take eat, this is my body. When he said, this is my body, he was there in his body. This was his body, it's his hand that was holding the bread. His hand was holding the bread. His body was holding the the bread. So obviously, he was not meaning that the bread was his literal body. And therefore, the bread is not and does not become the literal body of the Lord Jesus Christ. But so what did he mean when he said, this is my body? If we now picture in our minds, we just go back in our minds to the parts of the, the scene which he said this, we can see what he meant when he said, as they were eating in Matthew 26, 26, and as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and break it and gave it to the disciples and said, take eat, this is my body. See, it says, first of all, it starts off, says, as they were eating, as they were eating. So the disciples were eating. So while they were eating, he saw that there was something that the disciples were needing. What they were eating was not enough for them. They needed bread. So he moved to give them the bread that they needed. See, that's symbolic in our lives because there we are living our lives without the Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes life was good. Sometimes life was engaging and thrilling. Sometimes life was distracting so that we were not even aware of our need for the Lord Jesus Christ. That was the as they were eating for us when we did not even know that we needed the Lord. But even though we were not aware our, of our need for the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus knew that we needed him. And we did not take the initiative to come to the Lord Jesus. We did not take the first step to come to the Lord Jesus Christ. He took the first step towards us in our need, as it says in Romans 5.8. Romans 5.8, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for for us. While we were yet sinners going about our lives, the Lord Jesus Christ took the first step and died for us. The phase while we were yet sinners was the time of our lives of as they were eating. That was the time of our lives when we are described in Ephesians 2.12 as that at that time ye were without Christ, having no hope, and without God in the world. See, and at that time in our lives, we did not care that we were without Christ. At that time in our lives, we did not care that we were having no hope. At that time in our lives, we did not care that we were without God in the world. At that time in our lives, We did not care. We were just like Matthew 26, 26, as they were eating. But the Lord Jesus saw our need. He knew, and he took the initiative in coming to meet the need that we did not recognize that we had. 
That's what's symbolized in the statement in Matthew 26, 26, when it says Jesus took bread. As they were eating, Jesus took bread. The disciples did not take bread. Jesus took bread. We didn't know that we needed the Lord Jesus as our Savior. He knew. We did not know what it says in John 14, 6. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. We did not know that the Lord Jesus was our only way. We did not know that the Lord Jesus was our only truth. We did not know that the Lord Jesus was our only life. We did not know that we could not come to the Father except only by the Lord Jesus Christ. We didn't know. We didn't know, and he could have said to us, what he said to the woman at the well in John 4.10. In John 4.10, where he said, Jesus answered and said unto her, if thou knowest the gift of God and who, is it, who it is that saith to thee, give me drink, drink, thou wouldst have asked of him and he would have given thee living water. See, when that sin-stained, sex, sexually stained woman went to the well that day, she was just minding her own business. The state of her life in John 4, 7 was as she was coming to the well to draw water, as she was coming to the well to draw water. She was in the same state as the disciples in Matthew 26, 26, as they were eating. And it was in her state of as she was coming to the well to draw water that in John 4, 7, Jesus saith unto her, give me to drink. See, it was while she didn't care that the, Lord, that, that, that the Lord Jesus took the initiative and spoke to her, and that shocked her. How is it that thou, being a Jew, speaks? And, and that's what happened to Paul when he, was, when he was in his Saul days, and it says in Acts 9, 3 through 4, Acts 9, 3 through 4, and as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? See, when the Lord took the initiative or the first step in Paul's life, it says in Acts 9.3, Paul was as he journeyed, as he journeyed. When that's when the Lord came to him in a light from heaven and spoke to him. See, Paul was in Acts 9.3 as he journeyed state of life, not knowing that he needed the Lord Jesus, but the Lord knew that and the Lord took the initiative. The woman in her state of John 4, 7 was, there cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. That was her state in her life, not knowing that she needed the Lord Jesus. But the Lord knew. He took the initiative. He spoke to her. The disciples in Matthew 26, 26 were as they were in eating state of life when it says Jesus took bread, which, was, which is what they needed. And when the Lord Jesus took the bread, it says, as they were eating, Matthew 26, 26, as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, take eat, this is my body. It was at a meal when the, while the disciples were eating, they were busy eating, that he saw in that moment, this is a perfect opportunity. It's a perfect opportunity, he said, he saw, to bring them to see something very important beyond this meal. It was at a meal when the disciples were eating that he saw his perfect chance to use the meal to teach them something very important. 
And the disciples could only learn the importance of what he was teaching them if they could see beyond, if they could discern, if they could see beyond the meal, if they could see beyond the bread, if they could see to the importance of what he was teaching them. See, if the disciples, this picture, if the disciples came to that meal and said, man, am I hungry? Just look at all this food. This is great. Let's dig in. And they said, oh man, the lamb, it's cooked perfectly. Oh, he's got the bread. Look at that. He's breaking the bread. Great. Give me the bread. Oh, the au jus sop of the juices of this lamb. They look and they smell so great. Give me some of that bread so I can sop up these delicious juices. Oh, this is great. Here comes the bread. Oh, what did he, oh, oh, no. What did he say about that bread before he passed it to us? Oh yeah, it was something about the bread was like his broken body. And I don't know what he was talking about. Just give me some of that bread. And, and oh, this great fresh bread. Here it is. Oh, here it t- I can taste it already. Great. Oh man, all the fat on this lamb. Boy, wine would just be the perfect finish now. I'd really like some wine. Oh, great. Here comes the wine. Here it goes. Oh, oh, what did he say when he took the wine and before he passed it? I don't know. It was something about it was like the blood of the new covenant. Oh, I, 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 don't, I don't know what he was talking about. Just, just, just give me the great wine. And, and, and then after that, I'll take a nap. Now, so if the disciples had done that with the bread and the wine and not stopped in their meal of as they were eating, if they, if they didn't stop that phase of as they were eating and stopped and, and they didn't listen to what he was saying, they would have lost it all. They would have lost it all. If the disciples did not see beyond the bread and the wine at that meal, they would have missed the great opportunity if the disciples did not discern from the bread his body, they would have lost it all. We're now at a communion service. And we are now, while we are eating phase of our lives and drinking, that the Lord sees this is a perfect opportunity. All throughout the week, as they were eating, as they were journeying, as they came, as she came to a well, that's us. But now, this is our well, This is our road to Damascus. This is the meal. And at this time, the Lord sees, he says, this is a great opportunity to teach them something very important. It's now at this communion service, while we're eating, so to speak, that he sees this perfect chance to use bread and red juice to teach us something very important. It's now at a communion service that we can only learn the importance of what he's teaching us if we stop and we see beyond this bread, this red juice to his body, to his blood. Only if we can discern his body can we learn. To not not take this communion unworthily, we have to stop. We have to see beyond this bread to the Lord's body. We have to stop the meal, so to speak, and see beyond this red juice to the Lord's blood. To take unworthily, we must discern from this bread, the Lord's body, and from this red juice, the Lord's blood. Let's stop. Let's think. Let's worship as we discern and see beyond the bread to the Lord Jesus' broken body and the red juice to his blood. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.com. 
friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. Or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Join Tom Cantor, Ray Comfort, Dr. Michael Brown at the Israel Restoration Ministries Jewish Evangelism and Training Conference happening in San Diego on Friday evening, February 9th and Saturday morning, February 10th at the Creation Museum in Santee, California. Learn from great Bible teachers like radio host Tom Cantor from Friendship with God, as well as world-renowned Jewish evangelist Ray Comfort, radio host Dr. Michael Brown, director of Jews for Jesus Israel Dan Sered, Friends of Israel field director Steve Herzig, Pastor Leo Giovanetti, and many others. Cost for this two-day conference is only $25, which covers all speakers, food, and materials. So register today to hear Tom Cantor, Ray Comfort, Dr. Michael Brown, Jews for Jesus, and Friends of Israel on how we can reach the lost people of America and Israel on February 9th and 10th. Call us at 619-599-1104, 619-599-1104, or sign up at reachisrael.com, reachisrael.com.